0: What if you could run ads to everyone who has visited your competitors' websites? Hi, I'm Jared Krause. I am the host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and today I'm speaking with Justin Sardi, who specializes in bootstrapping software companies. He started helping entrepreneurs and businesses build audiences, collect leads, and make sales through the use of YouTube and YouTube ads. He's a former founder of TubeSift and Video Ad Vault, which are software tools for YouTube advertisers, and now he's been marketing online since 2011 and has helped thousands of businesses and entrepreneurs increase their revenue with your software and training courses. And in this podcast episode, Justin and I talk about how to build a successful YouTube channel. We talk about what a good video looks like on YouTube for your YouTube channel and how to create those. We also talk about how to run ads to your YouTube channel videos to grow your YouTube channel organically, but with a little bit of ads, a little bit of a a mixture and play on words there. We also uh, talk about the difference between a YouTube channel video and then a YouTube ad or an in-stream YouTube ad, what the differences are and why they're so different. We also talk about how to create a winning YouTube ad that is an in-stream YouTube ad that actually gets you leads and more sales. We dive into targeting on YouTube and how you can target almost anyone you want with YouTube ads based on using Google. And then we talk about some tools that Justin has built that I mentioned just before, how they work and how they can help you crush it on YouTube. Now, there's so much value in this podcast episode. Video marketing is not going away, it's only getting better. And it's such a great place to build a relationship, harness a relationship, build trust with your audience, and make more money online through your online business. Enjoy. Have you been lied to about how to increase organic traffic and grow your website? I too used to think that all you needed to do is add more content and gain backlinks. But this just doesn't work. More content and more links alone is not the answer. Nor do you need to butcher your website with generic SEO changes you picked up on some crummy online tutorial leaving with a Frankenstein website that's slow and clunky. And because I got sick of seeing great people with great websites struggle to grow them, I decided to do something about it. I created an SEO service, which is not just about publishing content and getting links. Sure, we offer that. But first we give you quick wins, which are SEO tweaks we can make to your website that actually boost your rankings. And then we lay out a killer SEO strategy to acquire more traffic and revenue that outranks your competitors with less content and less links. We've thoroughly tested this service on many websites before launching it and have achieved incredible results, which you'll see on our landing page I'm about to share with you. Now, you can finally buy a business and give it to us to grow it for you. To check out our SEO service, head to buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash SEO hyphen services and book a call to chat with us to see what is the best growth strategy for you and your website. That's buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash SEO services, and the link will be in the description too. Justin, welcome to the pod.
1: Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: thanks for coming on. Mate, YouTube, it's a beast, and it's so damn good for building relationships with your audience, um, which builds trust and more sales, right? Sorry about that. Umbrella was so uh, people starting. Um, sun's getting me. sorry.
1: Oh, sorry about that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch chairs real quick. The sun's uh, uh, the sun just blasted me. Yeah, so there nice. we go, much better. Cool, cool, cool.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to like, I wanted to ask you, I just wanted to chat about YouTube and YouTube channels because starting YouTube channels are very profitable venture for businesses. But at the start, there's a fair bit of work that goes into it, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of videos. Yeah, I man. I mean,
1: just like yeah. making a video in general, I feel like is a you know, a hurdle for a lot of people, uh, specifically if you're going to be on camera. Mm. I know that's uh, a lot of people don't like being on camera.
0: There's so much that goes into a good YouTube video, like so much. We could record like a full podcast series on that. So I'll dive into that in a second. But I first want to ask you, when somebody first starts a channel, I've heard consistency is quite good. So how many videos should they be putting out regularly? Like I've heard where people will do a hundred days of a hundred videos, like bank them all up, which is pretty gnarly. But what's the, what's the, what's that look like when starting a channel in terms of like consistency?
1: Yeah. So like one of our channels, I think we're sitting at about 115,000 subscribers and you know, it was, it was slow in the beginning. We were putting out, you know, I, I never put out more than like two or three videos a week though, personally. Um, I know if you put out more, um, I mean, you know, cause like, like essentially what happens is one of those videos will end up taking off. And that's, that's really what happened for us is, you know, one specific, or you'll have like a couple videos that are driving most of your subscribers. So by putting a video out a day, you do have a lot more, um, you you have a lot more opportunities to have a video kind of go viral, if you will, right? And so that's definitely a thing. Uh, I think if we were about a year in and one of our videos got shared by like a major blog and all of a sudden, just like that one thing just really started, um, you know, like catapulting us up and we just started, we went from like a thousand subscribers to like 10,000. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Mm. And that's when we really started posting a lot more Um, but I do know, you know, there's a couple of reasons you would, you would do that. Number one, obviously you post a lot to hope that one really takes off. And then once you do get a lot of subscribers, you want to keep them engaged and really keep your watch time, your views, everything, um, you know, up. So I know, you know, we've been to different YouTube events and things like that, and they they at least recommend posting on a schedule, right? Mm -hmm. So whether it's every day or every Tuesday and Thursday, or something like that. Um, just like people watch their favorite TV programs, they're watching their favorite YouTube creators. So absolutely,
0: absolutely, people know that. Um, with my that are on my email list and my audience, they they open the emails every Thursday, go to YouTube and, and watch the podcast, which is probably why they're here watching this right now. <laughs> Quite matter. So yeah, when you, I'm curious, have you noticed that when you get to a certain level? it's worth trimming down the amount of videos in your video library on YouTube where it's worth deleting some is there is is there a good case for that
1: um i've never done that mm. but um honestly i've never heard of somebody doing that cuz um yeah i mean a lot of those videos you know i mean i guess if you're like changing your brand or something along those lines maybe but um i don't think that really would, I I don't know the benefit of that really. Um, Unless, unless a specific video is like, you know, not performing well, maybe you're like, Hey, that's an older video and you're kind of digging into your analytics and you can see, Hey, if somebody starts watching this, they're leaving, you know, everybody's leaving the video after a minute. Yeah. Maybe that's not the best video to keep. Um, But yeah.
0: Yeah. I I was seeing the same thing underperforming videos and also that, When's I was thinking about like the experience of somebody going through your channel, say they click on all your videos and you've got say 30% that are not the best videos, maybe they're old and they don't perform as well. And then you've got 70%, which are good. Would it be worth, you know, cutting off that 30% so you don't have the possibility of people going to those not so great videos and getting... uh not the best experience consuming your content versus them only going to the top ones. That was just, that's just my thinking. And, but I have heard people you know, talk about like, be careful if you are going to delete videos because you don't know that it could like, it could just take off like in a year's time, it could just, you know, get real popular that, that keyword or what it's ranking for is it could just take off. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, so like the video that really did take off for us, it was horrible. Um, (laughs) And like it was half of it was out of focus and it was just, it was bad. And, but there wasn't much content like that. So, you know, people really enjoyed it. But what we ended up doing instead of deleting it, cause that that video was ranking, it was like literally building our channel. We just ended up making a new video Mm. and throwing like, um, you know, a card or whatever up and just saying, Hey, click here to watch the updated one. And, you know, for whatever year it is. And we, we just remade the the whole video, better production value, all that. Um, and then both of the videos really helped. So Cool, cool. Yeah.
0: Did you find a lot of people would mo- click on the card and move over to the updated video?
1: Yeah, yeah. people love updated stuff. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So.
0: Yeah. So there's so much that I want to talk about with you in terms of what makes a good video. There's two different types of videos, though. And videos within each of those brackets. And I'm talking about there's YouTube specific content videos and then you got videos for ads. We'll talk about ads in a second because you, know, you can go down so many different ad creatives and uh, that's fascinating to me. And I know that you've, you've got a lot of experience with that. But for a video on YouTube that you wanna rank and get organic traffic to, what makes a good YouTube video?
1: Um, Honestly, just they look at a lot of things, Mm. um, but a lot of it is engagement. Like YouTube really wants people to stay on their platform. And if you have a really good video that gets people watching like the majority of the video, they're going to reward that. Right. So something that we always looked at when we were building our channel is like. Um, percentage watched, right? So, like, how much of the video are people completing, right? And um, then you start to see trends as you're putting these videos out. You're like, okay, our audience, or you know, the, the people in this space, particularly like this kind of content, and you can start to tailor your content strategy towards that. And I think that was that's like the organic side of things. That's one of the biggest things you can do uh, is is just have a video that people really like to watch, and then. Um, watch a lot of and, and YouTube will reward that
0: yeah APV right average percentage view something that you can check in your studio in you know the analytics at YouTube and what I have found is when you find those videos that are doing really well they have a high average percentage viewed and then it's easier for you to know okay hang on like let's replicate what's working in this video and backtrack where those spikes were in the video or where the you know, when you're looking at analytics, as they watch the video, where did people drop off and how can you prevent them from dropping off and then do more of what they do with the spikes. And the spikes are typically where people will watch something and it was really good. And then they'll click back on the video to replay that section again. Right. And uh, that's like the formula of how to use the videos that you already have that are doing well is to do use the data there to make your next videos better based on what people on your channel are liking. Right.
1: Yeah. And also not liking, like you can see where people drop off. Mm-hmm. Like you'll see uh, if you're kind of, they have like that, that curve and you can see where people are dropping off. Um, we've had videos that I thought we going to do fine. And you know, there's just like, all of a sudden it's just like, yeah. And you know, we were like, okay, what's happening here. Let's not do that again. Um, but at the same time, if you want to keep people on YouTube, just throw up like another recommended video at that point in the video. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, people are like, well, I'm going to leave. Then they see that thing pop up. They're like, oh, maybe I'll watch this. Oh, Uh, So you can keep them on your channel as well.
0: Oh, I like that. So would you have like a card there? You put a card in and say, Hey, watch this video just before they start to drop off. So you keep them on your channel. I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what we, that's what we did. And we were able to, um, you know, get our like keep people engaged with our specific content instead of looking at somebody else's and being like, well, maybe I'm going to go over here. That's brilliant. You know?
0: That's brilliant. And when you did use a card, would you would you choose something that's relevant to that video that you're already discussing or would you choose something that's just like really good and clickbaity that you think that they will like?
1: Um, so a lot of times we would just push them to our most successful videos, the ones that were getting the most subscribers. Cause like in your studio, you can check out, you know, which videos are driving the most subscribers, things like that. Mm -hmm. And we would just push them to our most popular videos, uh, or YouTube lets you like, you know, the video that's most or whatever, best for the specific viewer or whatever, you know, they'll, I don't know how they know, but
0: yeah. 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 Um, so I mean, in terms of like keeping people engaged, is there any other way that you that you've worked out that helps pe- keep people engaged other than getting them to another video and looking at the data? Um,
1: I mean, really, just a lot of it is you know we we're publishing videos for years and years, right? Mm. And you really like, pay attention to the analytics, what's happening in your videos, and you'll start to see trends, right? Like what does this audience like, you know, certain videos will get a lot of views, certain ones won't. Uh, And it really just comes to comes down to like, you know, see what kind of trends are you seeing in the content you're pushing out and, um, you know, what people are watching and, you know, what's getting the most views, what's getting the most searches as well. Um, You know, that keyword research, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then also checking out other people's channels in the space. Like, you know, we would do that. We'd be like, Oh, that was a good video. We don't have a video like that. Maybe we should make a video like that. You know,
0: I was doing just this, just yesterday on a coaching call. Um, a client of mine is, you know, wanting to grow their YouTube channel, um, in the college ministry area, um, or niche and, Competitive research, it works in all different aspects of business. See what your competitors are doing that's working really well for them, and how can you create content that, you know, people are obviously liking that. How do you create a similar type of content? Obviously, not copying, uh, but how do you create a similar type of content that is valuable as well for your audience? Um, And we're also looking at the titles, we're looking at the thumbnails. And seeing like what's working in that specific niche, in that specific industry, because Mm -hmm. the YouTube videos that I would do for my channel and the thumbnails that we would use are going to be completely different to what the thumbnail should look like for a different channel, right?
1: Right, right. And also, I mean, if you find other channels that are putting out good content, um, like I ended up, you know, once once you start to build up your channel a bit more... Um, other creators are very open to collaborations, mm-hmm. right? So I did a lot of collaborations where we would just film content separately. It'd be like, you know, the top five tools that we use or whatever. And we'd each, you know, I'd do three, he he'd do two, whatever it might be, uh, and edit that stuff together and just be like, Hey, if we both post that video to our channel, same video and be like, by the way, you know, this is a collaboration with so-and-so check them out here. Um, and that drove quite a few subscribers as well. And it really helps build your audience.
0: Love it. Tapping into other people's audiences. Yeah, it's really, really cool. So growing a channel with ads, I know that there's two different type or a few different types of ads, right? You can have ads that can help you grow your YouTube channel. You can have ads that can help you grow your business in revenue more directly, right? You're more leaning and you're more focused on helping people drive leads with ads. Is, is that, am I correct in saying that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we do a lot of, um, a lot of different things. Uh, I've built up a few different channels by running, uh, they're called in-feed ads now. Mm-hmm. But basically, those are the ones where somebody searches for a keyword and, um, you know, you'll see those ads or those videos at the top. Mm-hmm. Those are more content type videos. Mm-hmm. So, those work really well to build a channel. Uh, and you just target basically. If you would want to rank for a specific keyword, you just target that keyword, have your video show up, and uh, you know hopefully people enjoy it, they subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but we do more you know, direct response stuff with um, in-stream ads specifically, and those are those pre-roll ads or whatever. And um, yeah, that, that's kind of been what I've done for for a long time now. So
0: yeah, so I to, that's why I wanted to get you on. I wanted to dig into those in-stream ads. The ad creative. There's so many different types of ad creative, but there's also seems like there's a bit of a formula on some of the things that you should do psychologically and call to actions and at different points in the video. So, what are some of those you know ways to script or run through an ad creative? Or like, what are the must-haves if you're wanting to get people to? click away from youtube and opt into something or buy something what are the what are the top things a video would
1: need in that ad created yeah for sure so i mean obviously the number one thing when you're creating a video ad like the most important part of an ad um, is really the hook right Mm -hmm. you need to hook somebody because we all know you have you have that first five seconds where you can either skip the ad or continue to watch right Mm -hmm. and um you know Truth be told, you actually kind of need to rehook people every whatever 10, 15 seconds or something. Yeah. Uh, because people have. Um, so I, I always said, like, people have short attention spans, but um, I was just at an event at Google and they brought something up that I was like, man, that's, that's a really good point. Um, they were like, people don't have short attention spans, they have short consideration spans. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah that makes sense. It does. Because uh, they're like, dude, people will sit down and watch. 30, 40 minute videos, mm, true, but true. you know, you have to get them to, you know, give them a good reason, all that. So, um, you know, I have a, a YouTube ad library and we study a lot of what's working with YouTube ads specifically. And we we've basically like analyzed a bunch of different ads that, you know, from, from the same channel, going to the same landing page, same offer, everything. And a lot of times the difference between an ad that really takes off and an ad that doesn't is the hook so um, that that first you know whatever fifteen seconds or whatever, if you can come up with something that really you know is going to relate to your audience, that's going to be huge. Um, hitting on any you know pain points, unbelievable statements, um, coming out with proof works really well. Like hey, I want to show you how we got this result or how these students got this result. Right, um, flashing some proof up there. That way they're like okay, you know I I want that. Um, things like that. Uh, so the hook, and then we have like the body of the ad as well. Uh, and that's like, you know, just a little bit of education. What what do they need to know? Knocking out objections, you know, anything like that. And then obviously the call to action, which um, you used to have to throw like a really hard call to action and like click the link on this video. Mm. Um, now, you know, people know that, yeah. I mean, there's, there's buttons it's everywhere back in the day. There weren't, yeah, yeah. Um, they're like, oh, okay, I can click this, you know. Yeah. Um, and you get your call to action on the button and you get your companion banner and a few other things as well. So you can, uh, you know, use all that to your advantage as well now.
0: I want to, that's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that. I want to talk about the hook. It seems like it is the most important thing. Um, what I have noticed is calling out your audience at the start in a hook and also um, sort of uh, pre- pre qualify like having them pre qualify whether they're your audience or you're not for example if you're selling a surfboard um or if you're talking about you know surfboard surf coaching or something like that how to become a or you know we're talking about snowboarding before we recorded this if you're talking about snowboarding snowboard coaching uh at the start of the video would something like this work hey if you want to improve your snowboarding make sure you you know understand these first three things. And then anybody that skis or anybody that, you know, does not snowboard, they're not going to continue with the ad, right? They're going to they're going to click away and you won't need to pay for that ad being shown. Is that am I correct in saying that and is there any other strategies that oh, sure. improve improve upon that basic thing that I just mentioned?
1: Yeah, I mean like you like you pretty much nailed it right there. The hook It's going to pre-qualify the right people, but it's also going to push the wrong people away. Um, And obviously, you don't want everybody skipping your ad. If everybody's skipping your ad, your targeting's off, right? And there's this bunch of different metrics you can can look at when it comes to that. Uh, And Google actually, you know, because you only pay when somebody watches um, 30 seconds of your ad or the whole thing, whichever comes first, or if they click on your link, right? Well, that being said, Google doesn't want to just give away a bunch of ad inventory that they could be getting views and could be getting paid on so there's a thing called view rate and it's like number of impressions versus number of views and the higher your view rate the more your more people are watching the better your targeting is the better your ad your hook google's going to reward that and give you a little bit lower cost per uh view as well right which is a good thing Um, but if everybody's skipping your ad google's going to start to see that they're going to be like well you know, maybe we shouldn't be showing this person's ad all the time because, you know, nope, everybody's skipping it. We're not getting paid. Uh, so there, there is a, a fine line. You know, you, you got to balance that. But, but yeah, ultimately, the hook does push the wrong people away, hooks the right people. Um, yeah, and like really just calling out your audience. Uh, and there's a lot of different targeting options you can do. But I like to make ads specifically for, um, you know, targeting options that we're going with. And really calling out specific groups of people just with the hook. Um, you know, if I'm targeting like ClickFunnels users, for example, I might mention funnel hacking mm-hmm. and they're going to be like, Oh, oh. you like, I, I know funnel hacking. <laughs> like it resonates with them. Yeah. Um, and we've actually done that and it, it did extremely well, but, um, but yeah, just different things like that. Just keep in mind who your specific audience is and really try and speak to them. Um, and, and good things happen
0: how much education is needed now in a, in a YouTube video ad like can you just go straight into like hey if you want to learn to you know be a better snowboarder you know you you know um, do you do you go straight into coaching is it, or, or like a sharing value and uh, proving like how big of that is or is there a, you know a, a better way to do it nowadays because i haven't ran youtube ads in a while or a couple of years and um you know i've been out of the youtube ad game for a little bit now is there other other ways to do this
1: yeah i mean like there's obviously like straight up curiosity based where you're just like hey i want to like I, I had an ad we were doing an affiliate promotion and it was for a make money online program or whatever on ClickBank. And I just took a bunch of testimonials from their sales page and I was like, hey, I want to show you how so and so is making this much money from home without you know any prior experience and how so and so is doing this and blah, 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 and how you can do the same. And we're going to teach you on this webinar or whatever. Um, you know, click the link on the video and I'll show you more. That was it. Like we shared literally nothing except for proof, right? and knocked out some objections. Like even if you have no prior online experience or whatever. So that works pretty well. That's still, I still see that working. Um, testimonials work great. Cause uh, again, that's, that's the same thing. If you can like lead with proof, you don't have to do, yeah. You don't really have to, um, you know, sell them that much. They're just going to be like, well, if all those people are doing it, like that seems pretty cool. Maybe I could, you know, that sounds good. Um, so there's a lot of different things you can do there. Uh, but like for, for the snowboarding example or whatever, um, that one, you might want to, you know, kind of be like, Hey, there's three specific reasons that you're not getting better at snow. You know, so you go out snowboarding, whatever, however many times a week, and you just don't see your tricks improving or whatever it might be. Be like, you know, we've been coaching X number of students and we found it comes down to three specific things. Right. Um, and then just kind of giving a little bit of value on there. And then just, just like hitting on the, like three common mistakes that, you know, somebody trying to learn this trick is making or whatever and be like, and we have a whole nother video where we'll, you know, dive into that. All right? That way they're kind of like, Oh, okay. Maybe I should listen to this person.
0: Love it. Love that. And so what percentage of, uh, people that you work with, are getting people to a free, a piece of free value or opt in for something for free versus, you know, a straight up money grab sale and like,
1: so, I mean, it, it depends on, right. It depends on the price point. Yeah. I would say, yeah. um, you know, lead gen, YouTube ads are great for lead gen. So like they work amazingly well for, um, you know, coaches, consultants, anybody that has like a webinar book to call or, you know, webinar to book a call funnel. Those things work extremely well. Uh, and I think a lot of the reason that works is because people, you know, they resonate with you, seeing you on video, right? And they're like, yeah, hey, this person seems good. Like, you know, wh- whatever there. Um, but I mean, we, we've ran a lot of direct to, um, you know, just like direct to sales page and, and things like that. Um, it works well with a little bit lower ticket offers. And I, I see lower ticket offers are coming back a lot now uh, with funnels behind them. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of just depends. It, it really does work for anything, but I will say that if you have a lower ticket product, you do need a funnel behind it to really make up for, um, you know, because you're probably going to spend a little bit more on the front end sale than like, you're just not going to be profitable off of, you know, a $47 product, um you know, you, you need a couple upsells or some kind of back end or whatever it might be. And I think that goes for not just YouTube ads, that goes for anything. Like the cost of ads is only going up. It's not going to go down. Um, you know, it, it's becoming more and more competitive. More people are doing it. Like back in the day, you could throw a YouTube ad up and run it to like whatever. And you're like, oh man, we're making six times our money back on the front end. Like, you know, with one single product it's not, not quite like that anymore, you know?
0: Sometimes, and that's a really good point that you bring up, because if people are trying to make money straight away from the get-go on the ads, and they're not, they could give up. Whereas, if they understand they have a good remarketing system, like say email remarketing system, maybe they maybe it will take them, you know, five months until they get ROI on the ad spend. Right? Do you, is do you work with brands that? Or have seen, I mean, I've, I've, I've spoken to brands that will say, hey, we'll, we'll lose money for, you know, a year until, you know, and keep them in our system. And then we know that our, our customer lifetime value will be, you know, high and we'll get an ROI after a year and we'll continue to do so. But they'll lose a bit of money on the front end. Do you see that becoming more regular?
1: It depends. But like, I mean, the, the quicker you can recoup, obviously, the better. Um, but like I, you know, and it all comes down to knowing your numbers. Like we sell recurring software, right? I know that I can go, I can spend like four times a monthly sale to, on on one of my softwares to, and I'm still making money. Like it sucks. I'm like, well, there goes, you know, whatever, 400 bucks to make a hundred dollars sale. But like, I'm still profitable at that. Um, you know, newer businesses, you're probably not gonna be able to know that right away. And I still don't like doing it. I'm like, man, that sucks. Uh, which is why we're constantly rolling out, you know, new offers, like lead magnets, and just, you know, providing value up front and really working to um get that sale sooner. But uh, you know, that being said, I, I think it is um it is definitely a thing that I, I see a lot of businesses, specifically businesses with like higher ticket back ends and things like that. Um And even, even a lot of people that are doing webinars now, they're not, you know, used to be able to just run a bunch of traffic to a webinar and, you know, you're profitable on the front end, basically, you know, you spend a thousand bucks, you're making like 1200 back or whatever. Now it's probably, you know, a little more spend 1200, make a thousand, whatever. But there's, there's more, um, you know, people are working on the back ends more. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. And, you know, you know, up to the cross sells, like whatever you can do to, to uh, maximize that customer value, really.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Increase your AOV, really, average order value by adding more value to them. Uh, It is a tricky one, right? Like with running, and I've done it um, with our membership as well, like running ads to a membership and knowing is really important to know how long people stay and why and you know, your retention rate and your customer lifetime Mm -hmm. value to know how much you're going to spend and also the lead time that it might take for them to be in your email list until they actually decide to join. There's so many factors to consider. With Tube, uh, and you mentioned you have that with with TubeSift. Tell Tell us, like, people don't know what, like for people who don't know what TubeSift is, like what do you guys do? How do you guys help, you know, video creators? And people use it.
1: Yeah, so um, you know, TubeSift is a, a targeting software. So there's a number of different ways that you can target on YouTube. Uh, one of those is putting your video in front of, like, putting your video ad in front of specific videos. You know, your audience is going to be watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, those videos have to be monetized, uh, and Google made some changes to that, but it's still doable. Um, I've heard a lot of people be like, "Oh, they got rid of placements." Yeah, they targeted. started they did changing it a they little bit, didn't
0: they? But yeah, it can still do with placements.
1: Well, they—I mean—they moved it around and uh, changed the way it works, but it's—it's it's still a thing. So, um, just a little, yeah, different than it was. But um, so, TubeSift does that, and it also finds—you know—helps you build like custom audiences, things like that. Um, so, so yeah, that's—I think we started that in like 2000, rolled it out end of 2014, maybe. So, it's been. It's been a minute, um, and then we have Video Ad Vault, which is basically like a spy tool. It's like a Facebook ad library, but for YouTube. Um, and that's kind of the that one's a lot newer, um, but that's you know I, I enjoy studying ad creatives and like you know the the like we've been talking about you know what makes a good video, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that, that that's the one that really gets me excited now as well. So,
0: so Video Ad Vault, being they can check out all the different creatives that have been successful and then break them down on why and then reverse engineer them to be able to use them for their businesses. Right. Is that, is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or ads that didn't work. Right. I mean, you could, you could search by advertiser you could search by, you know, if you're like, Hey, I want to find all the ads that are going to, Whatever webinarjam.com, clickfunnels.com, You know, you can find all of the ads linking to specific domains. Uh, you can find, you know, different keywords, all that kind of stuff. So you can really see all the different ads in any niche. And then, um, you, you know, by looking at the ones that are getting the most views, and you can see like average daily views, all that kind of stuff. There's all that analytical data in there that we have. Awesome. And you can start to analyze what's going on, what's working what's not, and then kind of apply that to what you're doing and have a much better chance at, uh, you know, having a successful ad right out of the gate instead of, you know, like well, that didn't, work. Is, that this, didn't work? work. Is this going to work? Is this going to work? You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Especially because ad creative and, uh, you know, recording ads can definitely stack up as well on the cost on, on the production oh, end. Yeah. um, <clears throat> I'm, I i can not not ask you about the ad placements uh, or video placements. How, how are they, how have they changed that? Right. So before you could actually go away and look at your competitor and say, all right, cool. I want to put my video ad on their video. It can be an in-stream ad, or it can be, you know, something at the end of the video. Um, and you could easily do that in the back end of, you know, YouTube ads or Google ads, how do how has that changed now? Like, is it just technically harder or how do you do that?
1: So basically what they did is they removed content targeting, which is placements, keywords, topics, that's it. Uh, they removed content targeting from campaigns with a goal. And essentially what a campaign with a goal is, is you tell Google, Hey, I want you to optimize for this specific conversion and their AI kind of takes over and they will, you know, get a couple conversions and then Google will be like, okay, cool. This specific placement was working or, you know, this targeting is working with this ad. So it'll kind of shift your budget for you automatically. They, so they removed that you can still set up campaigns without a goal. And I mean, campaigns with a goal are within, I think they set those up maybe like three years ago is when they first rolled those out anyway. So it's still a pretty new thing. Even having Google manually or automatically optimize your campaigns. When I first started running ads, we were like, I was going in every day, looking at the different keywords. How many views did this keyword get? How many views did this placement get? Like pausing them, adjusting bids, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff.
0: Negative keywords. Google made it. All that stuff, hey? yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, so essentially, in a campaign without a goal, it's just like it used to be, like three years yeah, ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah, that's really that's really good. So,
1: yeah, it still works because you can. You you just have to do a little more work. You know,
0: you, the goals. You know, you want to optimize for opt-ins or leads or whatever it is. They're the different types of goals you can choose in in the YouTube ads. But setting up one without it, mm-hmm. it's like you can still you'll still personally as a business have a goal for the ad, but you're not just claiming. Um, to YouTube that this is what they you want them to optimize. You can manually optimize it a bit more yourself, right?
1: Yeah, and it, it still tracks. Like you can still track conversions. Yeah. You yeah. just have to like manually. If you I have to like I go in every day agent. and be like, okay, oh, yeah. here's you know, like this is good, this is not. Let's you know delete this placement, whatever it might be. So it's definitely still a thing. You just kind of have to um, dig in a little bit more. And then what we've been doing is basically setting up a campaign without a goal, using placements to train a pixel, get a bunch of pixel fires, because, you know, you're still getting great conversions and everything with placements. It's just not, they're not quite as scalable anymore, because, um, you know, with Google's AI, what happens is they'll start to learn, hey, th- these kinds of people are buying Or opting in or whatever your goal is and then they'll be like let's get more of those people and they'll put your ad in front you know they they have a optimized targeting where they basically start to throw random people not random people but they start to throw people at your uh at your ad that or throw your ad in front of the right people um so you're not getting that whole thing but you are still you know putting it in front of the right people
0: you mentioned uh about training a pixel which makes me think about Uh, In TubeSift, you mentioned you help people create custom audiences. Is that like, is that one of the ways like, and and like, how does that sort of, what does that look like for, so I guess for somebody that's like new to this whole thing, they're like, why would I want a custom audience? (laughs) So what sort of custom audiences are you creating, say for like somebody selling snowboarding coaching? And then how is that sort of, you know, how do you help them create that with TubeSift? Like, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, yeah. So so essentially with these custom audiences, there there's a number of ways that you can build these things. And one of them is um you you can build audiences of people who have visited specific websites, right? Or people who browse that like Google says browse websites similar to, right? So if you go, you know, like people might be looking at like snowboarder magazine dot com or um you know, whatever, Burton, Ride, like all these different companies. You know, hey, like these people are obviously snowboarders, right? Um, so with basically what you can do is you can take all you can compile all those URLs, put them into a custom audience, and Google will build you an audience of people who have visited those websites and similar websites. And one of the newer features we added into TubeSift is basically the ability to type in a keyword and it will spit out all of these websites that people would be visiting. Um, and then you just throw those into Google and then you create your custom audience. So those, those work extremely well, we found. Yeah.
0: Because you're targeting website viewers, not just YouTube viewers. Right. And then when those people who mm-hmm. like, say I've viewed something on looking at Burton, Um, maybe I'm buying a new snowboard on the website. I'm looking at it. When I go to YouTube to watch something completely else, maybe it's an educational video on a different sport like surfing, then I can get an ad still in front of me for, you know, how to become a better snowboarder, right? That's so awesome. Mm Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes, I mean it's essentially being able to retarget other people's websites, which is kind of absurd. Um, it's is crazy, it? but I mean you can do it because because Google has all of that first party data. I mean, how many websites have Google Analytics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Google, like Gmail. Yeah. Everyone uses Gmail. Google Search, right? They know exactly what you're searching for, and not Chrome, only what you're searching on Chrome, for, I've but what the websites. Yes, yeah. like what websites you're going to after you do a search. Like they know all kinds of stuff about everybody. And that's the, that's what you're buying when you're buying Google ads, you know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, that's why people are getting such great ROI. I think it should be a good time to mention, um, about third party cookies. I'm not sure if you know too much about third party cookies, Justin, but, uh, that's how, um, Google tracks and, puts ads in front of people on websites, like when they're scrolling through a blog. And a lot of people listening are people that are buying these sorts of blogs and are worried about the third-party cookie being removed. Whereas the third-party cookie, like it's not the only way that Google is tracking you, right? Like, And you mentioned like there's if you've got Chrome, if you've got Gmail, if you've got Google Analytics, you know, attached to your site and all these other sites. Do you have an Android? sorry like, and android yeah like and a google phone like yeah <laughs> you just yeah they can remove google they can remove these third-party cookies um and what they're doing that for is for privacy issues and as soon as they remove them they're going to have some other way that they will release is like actually probably just better targeting right do you, do you know much about this third-party cookie thing at all or
1: yeah a little bit um you know i've, I've like kept up to date on, on some of it. I know that's like a big part of the reason Facebook had to remove mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, right? But, but the thing with Google, it's not so like like uh, Facebook was like buying data from other people and things like that, like buying third party data. Google doesn't have third party data really. They they're like like we were just talking about they are collecting all of that data themselves. Hardy, right. And to even use any of their stuff, you have to agree to that. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I mean, they know every search that you're doing. Like, ev- like they just know. Yeah. So, um, so that, that's the cool thing. I don't know if that's a cool thing. But, like, <laughs> um, it's cool as an <laughs> advertiser. But, like... <laughs> yeah.
0: It's definitely cool as an advertiser. And it can be cool as a consumer as well. I'll give you, for example, like, <clears throat> um, I don't like going on social media. And when I want to buy something, like, um, saves a specific thing, I'll go to Instagram and just type in a couple of things, or I'll yell into my phone um, a few keywords, and then what will pop up on Instagram is like all the things. So I so I don't have to use Google to search through things. I can just use Instagram for shopping. Like I use that. I use it that way. Um, I think it can be beneficial if you use it the right way. And Justin, such a such a fun chat, man. I know we went down a bunch of different rabbit holes, but yeah, guys, check out TubeSift, check out VideoVault. I'll put links to those in the show notes, guys, because. That ability to get your com- competitors um, like a big list of your competitors, chuck them into YouTube and target them, phenomenal. I love that tool. It's cool. Thank you.
1: Yeah, man. And thanks for, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, we, we got to uh, get out. If you're from Colorado, hit me up. We can go snowboarding. I know, I know all the mountains around here.
0: Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Maybe next season I'll come up and we'll go for a shred. It'll be fun. For sure, Yeah. Everybody that is listening, thank you for listening. If you know somebody that has a business and is thinking about running YouTube ads or thinking about growing a YouTube channel, make sure you share this podcast episode with them. There's so many rabbit holes we went down that it's going to be fascinating value for your friends that you share this with. So thanks again, and I'll speak to you soon. Hey, YouTube watcher. If you thought that video was good, you should check out this video here on the two best types of websites beginners should buy or check out my playlist on how I made my first 100k from buying websites and how to do due diligence. Check it out. It's an awesome playlist. You'll enjoy it.